Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christopherson. Brian, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing really – well, I'm doing good. We're both kind of sad because we, uh, we're big Norm McDonald fans, and it's uh, passed away. Yeah, I, uh, I, am, I am very, uh, I guess, crushed by that. Like, I just – I don't know. I mean, he's only 61 years old. I had really, and, and you get this because I think you follow him too. You sort of got used to seeing him on uh, majors on Saturday and Sunday with his like way behind the action, all caps golf tweets. Uh, he lives on forever in terms of YouTube with all of his appearances on Conan and some of his stand up bits. And of course, on Netflix, where he had the, uh, he had a couple recent stand up specials and his TV show. I just, I don't know that there's a lot of people that have had that large of an effect on my sense of humor in the way that Norm Macdonald has. Um, so it's a, it's a sad day. It, and I'm, I don't know that I'm surprised, but it's, he's clearly someone who a lot of people, the comedy resonated with, or they have fond memories of him, whether it's from SNL or the dirty work or whatever else, but uh, he's certainly um, someone that is being celebrated today as he should be. I did not uh, appreciate his humor until later on. Um, I didn't, like when he was on SNL, I didn't think he was that funny. And now I love like watching his old like weekend update stuff and just how much he like picked at people. I mean, even stupid jokes, like you guessed it, Frank Stallone, you know, where he would always bust that out. Um, but yeah, I and I think uh, Norm Macdonald would have found good humor in the Fox ad as I segue uh, for Nebraska's the preview for Nebraska Oklahoma. I yeah. think that would have tickled his funny bone as a man in a tractor makes his way to Norman for this week weekend tilt in at uh, at Owen Field. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's leave Norm Macdonald where he is. Dive into this Nebraska Oklahoma game. Um, Obviously, Nebraska really, you know, if they, they'd won that game against Illinois, it'd be a little bit different. But frankly, coming off the last two weeks, they're flying about as high as they could right now. I mean, as you know, they had two pretty complete games against Fordham and Buffalo, they still have plenty of their own issues to figure out. But Brian, you have to feel good about at least where Adrian Martinez is. And, and someone like Samari Toure, who is certainly going to be counted on as Nebraska goes into a game against Oklahoma where they have a bevy of weapons, and Nebraska still has to figure out what they have. But the last couple of weeks, they found something there with Toure and with Martinez. Yeah, Adrian's played well the last two weeks. I, I know he's always going to have skeptics um, until he, you know, he's going to have to do it against you know, like weekends like this against teams like the Sooners and, you know, Big Ten play. But he really bailed his team out. He bailed his offensive line out a few times in that game. Um, it was starting to get in a nervous territory there, kind of midway through the second quarter, and you're about to give up a 10-yard sack and punt the ball, and instead he basically turns it into a touchdown for Nebraska on a 71-yard run. I mean, it's plays like that that whatever you think about sort of the roller coaster ride that is so, you're sometimes on with him um, – you know, not everyone can make that play. So you have to stand up and appreciate it. I thought he played a poised game. I thought, you know, when he did sort of pull his like Brett Favre 
Favre-like tricks or whatever you want to call it. It was always done on Saturday in sort of a, a, a smart manner. Like when he flipped that pass out to Hickman, yeah. there was no, you know, that was, that was sort of a playground play, but there was no danger in it. You know, there was nobody around Hickman and it was just kind of a savvy move. So I thought he was pretty polished uh, all around in that game. The O-line, not as much, and we can get to that now. Um, I mean, that's, that's where I worry about this team, you know, going on the road is can they deal with Oklahoma's speed, even though the OU defense isn't known as being a juggernaut by any means. They're going to have athletes and speed all over the place. And uh, I'm sure they're going to show a lot of different looks to Nebraska's front and make those young guys figure it out in a hurry. And that's been sort of a struggle so far. Yeah. I mean, that offensive line, uh, do you anticipate it's a, the normal iteration we've seen through three games, or do you think they changed something up going into Oklahoma? I guess if I, I were to predict, I would say the same starting five, but I do think there's a couple guys who have people in the shadows closer to them. And I would say, you know, Piper at left guard, who's a young player. Let's not forget yeah. that, but he's a, he's a third year in the program. And uh, you know, he has big expectations for himself. And he's probably been, a, you would say, choppy so far with his play. And they've moved Banks in there. I know you talked to Banks the other day. Um, they moved him in at left guard. So that, you know, Banks is a guy they really like. So the fact that he's working at that spot specifically tells me that Greg Austin has sort of put the spotlight on it as like, hey, we have a man ready if you're not up to it. Right. And so, uh, you know. Yeah, I think Turner Corcoran is going to be a great player too, but I think Turner himself has said, I haven't played as well as I need to. So that left side, I think, really needs to come along. Yeah, it's surprising because I think a lot of the concern coming in is how Matt Sichterman would do on the right side and not that they've been world beaters either. Um, you know, Bryce Benhart had that unfortunate holding call that negated a touchdown in, in Saturday's game, and so they've, they've got work there. But I think – I was fairly confident Nebraska's left side would be at least average um, and, and maybe uh, maybe even a little bit better than that. I and mean, it's still early in the season, but this is going to be their toughest test. You know, they're not going to be able to physically overwhelm um, Oklahoma in the same way that they did against Fordham or at least a stalemate like they had against Buffalo. And so the, that offensive line has to play well. And I did talk to Brant Banks, and he's someone that I think is – itching for the opportunity to have an actual role that's more than just utility offensive lineman. And that's kind of where they have them right now. I and mean, this is a guy that this year alone has practiced at right tackle, right guard, left tackle, and now left guard. I, I think that they clearly like him. They, they think that he has value for him. His ability to play multiple different positions is, is right there, but I think he wants a spot. And so if Ethan Piper comes out slow against Oklahoma, uh, and or has issues, I don't know that Nebraska will hesitate to put Brant Banks in there. And I, I'm not saying that he's going to be better um, by any means, but at some point you've got to try something if, if it isn't working from week to week and you can't get it fixed in the middle of the week. And, and that kind of leads us right into the running game just in general. Coming off of that game against Fordham, I thought Marquis Stepp had sort of established himself with that job that he was going to start and kind of be the guy. And that wasn't the case against Buffalo. He had a, he had a, really struggled in the first half, didn't really play at all in the second half. And then Gabe Irvin finished with 10 carries and 56 yards. Do you at all 
have any indication as to what this running back room sort of looks like right now, Brian, three games in, because it, it hasn't been near what Nebraska would have hoped. And uh, the, the running backs themselves have, no one has really sort of asserted themselves uh, as you go into game four. I think we got a sort of an answer why coaches were not as quick as everybody else last week to jump on the marquee step is RB one. And I'm not saying that step might not still emerge as that guy, but I think it's very much a co like Irvin step combo right now with, with some saving on Morrison sprinkled in the thing I, Matt Lubick said it today after practice, he said he thinks Irvin maybe got a little bit harsh criticism for the first game. I don't know if people are too harsh on him, but um, you know, I, I think some people sort of judged him off of a game where frankly the backs didn't have a lot of space to work with. And so you've got this young guy in his first college game and the first couple times out, he's not really getting a lot, um, you know, of opportunities to, to maybe show what he can do. On Saturday in the second half, I thought he did run with attitude and you saw him with space why he's exciting. And so, um, and they also think he's maybe, he's very good in pass pro in Lubick's eyes. So that's one of the reasons too, where he could separate himself. So Irvin and Step, I think, are your top two. This might be a game I wonder if you see a little bit more Step, you know, because it's, you know, he has been in these type of helmet games before, USC, Notre Dame type of deal. Uh, but they're not afraid to throw Gabe in there. So uh, you'd love to see him get some space on the outside and see if he could turn in a huge run. Yeah, do you do you anticipate um, much Sevian Morrison? I, this is sort of like a dumb question. But is there ever a benefit in getting a young player in, in a game in his home state like that? This is going to be a pretty emotionally charged uh, Sevion Morrison for, for Saturday. Do you see that as a reason to play a guy? Not just alone, but I think if he's right in the equation, you and I, I think they, I think he's not far behind those other right, two. Yeah. I, I, re, I mean, I, I really still think they're sorting it out. And so – this might be a year long deal. I, you know, they kind of talked in the fall camp about finding that, that bell cow and that one guy who's your 20 to 25 carries a game person. Maybe they do have that guy, but it switches off week to week, you know, like that, that might be what we're setting up for. So I wouldn't mind seeing a little Savion, but uh, I, I think right now he's third, but not by a long shot. I also think, and I don't know how healthy he'll be, but it sounded like Vokalek could come back this week. Yeah, and I think I think they've missed him. Like he's there, he's their best blocking tight end. He gives you a huge body there to go with your your front five. And that's a guy who, you know, I, I think this run game's probably taken a dip, not just because of that, but I think we need to at least acknowledge that. Is it, is it too early to know on guys like Austin Allen and Xavier Betts and others about their status for Saturday? What worries me about Austin is it's not – this is a good thing in a way because of health reasons, but it's not a deal where he gets to decide. You know, like if you have a head injury, it's, it's not a matter of, hey, I want to play coach. Yeah, I can make a go of it. It's did you pass the protocol, basically, whatever they do with the head test. So – that's what it was. Frost confirmed on Monday. So you're sort of at the mercy. He's at the mercy of what those tests say. And you know how those are. Sometimes that takes a, sometimes it takes week or weeks, plural, 
And that's where you get a little worried. I don't know on bets, really unsure. Oliver Martin, it sounded promising today because Lubick said we even kind of hoped he'd play last week. He's been taking a lot of mental reps. So I sort of think you might see Oliver and maybe Volkolek by the way they're talking, but I don't know beyond that. Yeah. And, and it is a little bit um, tough because Nebraska is just seemingly losing a lot of these pass catchers that Adrian was supposed to have available to him. And it puts guys like Chris Hickman, in a different position, in a different role, Nate um, Borkercher. Uh, and then you get into those wide receivers, which might mean more opportunity for Elante Brown and William Nixon as well, depending on the status of Omar Manning and, and Xavier Betts. So, of course, we will have any you know of that whenever we have it. At uh, you, know what, you know what stinks, though, Schaefer, is they think about it. Like, I know there's always this, like, narrative about Omar Manning never getting out there, but – Against Fordham, he started. Yep. He had a few catches, and we're like, okay, something's going to happen with him now. He's starting to go, and then he's in a boot. And then on Saturday, Xavier Betts, they get him the ball the second play, and he makes a catch even though he got called back. You could tell that there was sort of a concerted effort to involve him, and then he's hurt. So it's it's just – it's rough. I mean, it is. But, uh, yeah. On the other side, I'm looking forward to seeing if this defense – I, yeah. I think it can be top tier, but we'll see now. Are you top tier or not? This is a good good week to figure that out. So last week we kind of went into it, and I talked a lot about how I felt like the inside linebackers needed to have a good game. Is there a position group in, in specifics as you look at this Oklahoma team where you're like, yeah, that, guy's, that guy or that group, it's a big test for them. Obviously the defense as a whole, sure, but anything individually? I think you immediately go to the secondary just because, you know, you're going against, uh, you know, a first round arm and Spencer Rattler, a guy who's, I think he could end up being a number one pick, you know, the way the NFL goes. And uh, the thing about him and all the coaches and players have talked about it this week is he extends plays. Um, he is the type of guy who will stay in the pocket and kind of bounce around and keep a play going for a couple extra ticks and get his wide receivers a chance to still get open. And so Nebraska's DBs are going to have to cover beyond just your initial, like, you know, your usual time covering, there's going to be those extra two or three beats where they're going to have to stick with receivers who know that their quarterback has a gift for sort of buying a little extra time. And Oklahoma's made a ton of big plays off of Rattler extending plays and then guys getting open. So that's, that's going to be a huge test for a secondary that I think has been okay so far, but I think this is the week where you want to see Cam Taylor Britt. I think he's had kind of a tough start to this year and he's probably pressing a bit. You want to see him be that dude who is like, you know, the best corner in the big 10 type of player. Yeah. Along with that, they're going to need help from some of the pass rush. I mean, it's just, Nebraska had seven, I think, seven hurries on Saturday, but no sacks. They've had, I think, two total sacks since uh, Brandon Peters' injury, and that was in the first quarter against Illinois. So if you look at it over the last 11 quarters, two, you know, one sack, and, and that was a Quentin Newsom cornerback blitz. Like, that's, that's just rough. Um, so it is a uh, – you got to get you got to get more from your pass rush. I mean, it, the the way the year started, Brian. I mean, they they had those quick couple sacks against Illinois. Bodarius Payne looked like someone to be reckoned with. 
Uh, Garrett Nelson was getting involved on stuff. And then it just kind of has not completely gone away. Cause like I said, they had a bunch of hurries, but is it, is it as simple as teams are just passing really quickly or do you feel like they just don't get enough pressure consistently? I think there's probably a happy medium between what you're saying and what sort of coaches are saying over there. Cause I, I agree. Like you'd like to see a little bit more. And I also understand uh, maybe I'm just too trusting of what I hear sometimes, but Shenander and those guys have, will say those last two QBs have made a real effort to get the ball out very fast. And it's made it difficult to get there. Um, that said, this has to be a game we just mentioned. Spencer Rattler is a guy who trusts himself to stay in the pocket a little bit and kind of use his feet to buy some time. He is going to give an opportunity, I think, for Nebraska to get home if they can do it. And if there is a question mark, and I say if, for OU, I know through the offseason reading about that team, there were some moving parts like in the interior of their O-line. And so – you know, Damian Daniels is playing at a high level. If he could wreck shop a little bit um, and open up some things for other guys, uh, you know, maybe Nebraska can get some stuff done there. Real quickly, Brian, special teams still still a mixed bag. You got Brandon Frankie, who largely has given Nebraska everything you would have wanted from a kickoff specialist. You've gotten uh, Daniel Cherney as his best game for the Huskers in on Saturday with several punts inside the 20, including a very nice drop that, that fell right around the one or the two yard line. But Connor Culp, you still don't know what quite you're getting there, which is unfortunate because he had such a good season last year. And then the punt return game. What do you, what do you make a special teams a quarter of the way into the regular season? Yeah. I mean, it's disappointing. And unfortunately sometimes special teams can come down to one or two guys just, having a tough go like in the I don't know if Culp has the yips or what the weird thing is after the game on Saturday he said on a couple that he's pushed right he said I feel like I'm hitting them well you know like I feel like they're coming off my foot right and they're not and so that kind of almost worries me more when a guy sort of believes he's on it but he's not um I don't know what you do beyond you, you hope it's you just hope he's got that mindset where he can overcome it and he's got that stuff for you this weekend. I think you make a change at punt returner. And I, we both, I mean, everybody who covers this program loves Cam and his personality, but right now he's pressing back there. It's a position where you got to have confidence. And I would at this moment put Ture back there and fair catch the heck out of that thing, you know, and that's what I would do. Get yourself the ball, get yourself an opportunity at the very least. All right, quick pod. Uh, we've got some moving some moving pieces going on, but, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage on the website at Husker 24-7. People will be able to check that out. They should do that. And the Husker Hypecast will be on later this week as well. We'll have a special guest. We'll have our full group. People will be able to enjoy that on Friday. Brian, we will catch you next time. Husker 24-7 podcast will be back later this week. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 